Thank you, choir and orchestra. Dr. Charles Lowry was telling about teaching his daughter to ride a bicycle. He said that he took her to the church parking lot and said to her, honey, I'm going to teach you to ride your bicycle. And uh, you have all of this asphalt out here. Can't get hurt. I'm going to teach you to ride your bicycle here. She said, what is that down there? He said, it's a pole, but don't pay any attention to the pole. He said, look at all the asphalt. He said, look at this asphalt. He said, it's everywhere. He said, you could ride your bicycle here and not get hurt. She said, I'm going to run into the pole. No, you're not going to run into the pole. Look at all this asphalt. There's asphalt everywhere. Look at the asphalt. You'll not run into the pole. He said he put her on the bicycle, steadied her, and then gave her a little shove, and she started pedaling. And she headed directly to the pole and ran into the pole. Charles said, in life, it's not so much the facts as the focus. The truth is, most of us look for the poles. For instance, we can't enjoy the sunshine of today because there's a 10% chance it'll rain tomorrow. In business, we can't celebrate the uptick in the stock market because there's going to be a correction and my 401k is going to become a 201k, so I can't celebrate that. And even when we are married, do we not have the tendency to see the poles in our spouse? One of my favorite stories is a story about an old farmer. He was on his deathbed. His wife was there with him in his last hours of life holding his hand, stroking his hand. And as they were there, he said, you know, honey, he said, you've been with me through thick and thin. You remember when lightning hit the barn, burned our barn down? She said, yeah, I remember that. He said, but you were there with me and, and we went through that together. She said, yes, I did. He said, do you remember when we had that drought and all of our crops died? What a tough year that was, but you were there with me, and we went through that. She said, yes, I was. He said, you remember that time when a disease hit our cattle, and we lost so many of the cattle, and what a tough time that was? She said, yes, I, I remember. You were there with me, yes. He said, you know, honey, I, I, I'm beginning to think you're bad luck. Even when we come to church, we focus on the poles, the things that we don't like. You know, I don't like this or I don't like that. Rather than see all the blessings that we receive, we have a tendency to focus on the poles rather than the asphalt. The Apostle Paul was a man who was able to see the asphalt in life. For instance, he lost everything. And yet he said, in comparison to Jesus, it's all garbage. I've lost all of this, but in comparison to Christ, it's all garbage. He was on a ship. There was a storm came up. The people thought they were going to drown, that they were going to be drowned because of the storm. And in the midst of that storm, Paul paused to give thanks to God for the food that he was about to eat. Even when he was facing death, he focused on the crown 
He said, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me. When I look at the Apostle Paul and all of the challenges that he had in life and yet he was able to focus on the asphalt rather than the poles. Today I want to give you some reasons for thankfulness. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll begin reading in verse number 12, a letter written by the Apostle Paul. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Today I want to share with you four reasons why you and I can and should be thankful. First of all, we're thankful for God, that God loves us the way we are. Now, the world's love is conditional. The love that the world has for you is a conditional love. It is based on if. I love you if. If you agree with me, then I love you. For instance, if... Um, if you think Donald Trump is a jerk and I think Donald Trump is a jerk, then I love you. If you think Hillary is crooked and I think Hillary is crooked, then I love you. But see, it is based on if you agree with me or if you act like I act. If you act like I do, if you go through life liking the same things that I like and doing the same things that I do, then you and I can be one. The world loves you if. The world loves you because. Uh, the world loves you because you love me. If you love me, then I love you. So it's based on because. Or if you act the way that I do or you do what I want you to do. How many times have you heard someone say, if you love me, then you will do thus and such. So, see, that, that is the way that the world loves. The world loves us conditionally. I love you if I love you because God's love is not like that. God's love is an unconditional love. He loves us even in our rejection of him and we have rejected the law and the word of God from the very beginning. When the Lord created man, placed him in the garden of Eden and said to him, you can have all of this to enjoy. Everything that I've created here, you can have it to enjoy. But this one tree, don't touch this one tree. But Adam and Eve rebelled against the Lord's word and they ate of the forbidden fruit. And ladies and gentlemen, so have you and I. We also have rebelled against the law of God, the word of God. That's the reason the scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Not just Adam and Eve, not just the one seated next to you. 
the Bible says that we all have sinned against God. So man then has rebelled against the law of God and rejected the love of God. And that also is true from the beginning. When Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem, where she was going to give birth to the Christ child, they went to the inn and were told there's no room at the inn. From the very beginning, Jesus was rejected. His love was rejected. Even during his ministry, he was rejected or dismissed. His hometown of Nazareth had heard about the miracles that he performed. They had heard about the teachings he had taught. But then as they contemplated, as they pondered these things, one of them said, but isn't that Joseph's boy? Joseph, the, he's a carpenter down there, isn't he? He's a builder down there. That's his boy. Well, he didn't go to school. How could this be possible concerning him? And so they dismissed him out of hand. The one who came to give his life and to love them. Rejected, dismissed, man has rebelled against the word of God and rejected the love of God and nailed him to a cross and yet God loves you. No if, no because, God loves you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Disciples, boisterous, crude fishermen, tax collector, political zealot, but Jesus loved them. He loved those disciples because, you see, he didn't focus so much on what they were as what they could be. He loved them. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was hated by the Jews. He was a chief tax collector. But one day he heard that Jesus had come. He climbed up into a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. All the Jews who were there hated Zacchaeus. But Jesus looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going home with you today. He loved him. The prostitute, caught in the very act of adultery, condemned by the religious leaders, loved by Jesus. When Jesus said to her, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. He loved her. Woman, caught in the very act of adultery, and Jesus loved her. The Roman soldiers who nailed him to a cross, he loved them and prayed for them. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And ladies and gentlemen, he loves you. He loves me unconditionally. In our sins, I don't know about your sins. You and God do. But what I want you to know is that God loves you, even in your sin, in your doubt, 
There's some of you probably struggling with doubt about all of this that's in the Bible about the Lord and all those things, probably struggling with it. That's okay as long as you're honest about it. He loves you even in your doubts. He loves you in your unworthiness. See, we think that somehow we have to earn the love of God, and yet the Bible tells us explicitly that He loves us even in our unworthiness. Folks, I am thankful that God loves us the way we are. It's not based on if, it isn't based on because. He just says, I love you. In your sin, in your doubts, in your unworthiness, all of it. I love you. Secondly, I'm thankful that we can change. We don't have to stay the way we are. We can change. The truth is we want to, do we not? I know you do. I mean, when we do things that, that, that are wrong, we want to change. That is our desire. That's the reason that we read the self-help books. We go to the seminars. We listen to the videotapes and the audio tapes because we want to change. But as much as we desire to be different, as much as we might desire to change, we are powerless to do so within our own strength. The Apostle Paul addressed that in Romans chapter 7. He said, I, I do what I don't want to do. Romans chapter 7 verse 18, Paul wrote, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. Look at this. For the wishing... The wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Paul is saying, I want to do right. I, I want to do good. The wishing, the desire is present in me, but then I don't do it. Is that your testimony? Boy, it is mine. I preach a lot better than I live. You might say, well, boy, you're in a world of hurt then. <laughs> let, let me tell you, I love sarcasm. It's my favorite form of humor. I know it's not acceptable with you, but I still love sarcasm. That's, that's just a form of humor that I grew up with. And because of that, I, I can say things that are offensive that I expect to be funny. And I know that. And so when I'm going to be somewhere, if I'm going to be in a group, and I know that's a temptation that I have to deal with, I really do, I pray. I say, God, don't let me say something stupid today. <laughs> now, obviously, he doesn't always answer that prayer, but, <laughs> but I want to do good. I really do. And I, and I don't want to be offensive, but I'm like the Apostle Paul, I guess, in that. Those things I, those things I don't want to do, I, I do. And then he said, and I don't do what I want to do. We fail to do what we want to. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. So do you see this struggle that Paul is going through as he's looking at his own life? He says, those things I don't want to do, I end up doing the things that I want to do, I have a desire to do, I fail to do. And then he exclaimed, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? 
You ever feel that way? Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. Who can set me free? But he goes on in that verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot change ourselves, but God can change us. We may have the desire, and we may read the self-help books, but the bottom line is so often we, we don't do the things we want to do. We do the things we don't want to do. And like Paul, we cried, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord that he changes us. The disciples, he changed them. The Apostle Paul went from persecuting the church to preaching the gospel. The disciples went from fleeing in fear to bold confessors of Christ. How? How did that happen? Because of the Lord. The Lord changed their lives. The adulteress, the woman at the well, when Jesus met with her, he said to her, uh, where's your husband? And then he said, you've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. You know the amazing thing about that story? Is that that woman was changed by Jesus. She went she went back home and became a witness to all the men, all, all the townspeople there. She went back home and became a witness. And the Bible says that they all came to see Jesus. They wanted to see this man who had changed her life. She was changed gloriously, dramatically by the power of God. Couldn't change herself, but Jesus changed her. The demoniac of Gadara, possessed by demons, chained by the townspeople. But Jesus came by and set him free, changed his life. God changes us. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Well, I'm thankful that we can change, that the Lord can change us. That's the desire. We can't do it ourselves. We do the things we don't want to do and we don't do the things that we want to do. But when we commit our life to Jesus Christ, He changes us. As we walk in the Holy Spirit, He changes us. And then thirdly, I'm thankful we have an ally. The deists believe that God created the world and then He put it in orbit and withdrew from it, not to have anything to do with it. But no, he has not withdrawn from the world. And ladies and gentlemen, he is our ally in life. We face problems, but we don't face them alone. Some of you have physical problems. You have illnesses that you are contending with, but you don't go through that by yourself. You don't face it alone. And do you know that the Lord, whenever we look to the Lord and we have physical illnesses or issues that we're dealing with, he can remove them, or He can give us the strength to go through them. Either way, 
If he chooses, he can remove it. If not, then he can give us the strength to go through it. He is our ally concerning relationships. I know that there are some of you and you have relationships that are not what you want them to be. You're brokenhearted. You pray. You want this relationship to be right, to what it should be. But you don't go through it alone. As a believer, God is with you in that broken relationship. Some of you are overwhelmed with responsibility, with issues that you're dealing with. Overwhelmed by them. You don't have, but here's the thing. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with life, but the Lord is there to go through it with us. He is our ally. Some of you have spiritual issues that you're dealing with. And the Lord is your ally. He is there to go through it with you. You see, we have the problems and he has the power. We have the problems to contend with and he has the power to go through it with us. Whatever those problems might be, physical, he has the power. Emotional, he has promised us his peace as we look to him. Spiritual, he has the power to change your life. I'm thankful that we have an ally. And then I'm thankful that he gives us a life worth living. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse number 10, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. That verse is very meaningful to me. I came that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. I'm oftentimes absolutely overwhelmed with the life that the Lord has allowed me to live. And I look and am saddened oftentimes by people who choose to settle for so little when God offers so much. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. How can we have an abundant life? I know that you want that. How can we have a life that is abundant, that is overflowing? How? Well, from our standpoint, I think the answer to that is very simple. It is by living a life of gratitude. And that is one of the things that I've prayed for for years. God, give me a grateful heart. Help me not to take things for granted. Lord, give me a, a grateful heart. Walter Henriksen wrote a devotional that gives some insight to what it means to be grateful. He said, first, gratitude is outward. Gratitude is always expressed outwardly. It's always out there. Secondly, he said, gratitude is dependence. In other words, I'm I am grateful to one on whom I am dependent. I'm grateful to the one on whom I'm dependent. I would illustrate that this way, I guess. Every Saturday and Sunday when I spend time with the Lord in prayer, I come to the place in my prayer time that I... I say to the Holy Spirit, I am totally dependent on you. I'm going to preach tomorrow. I'm going to preach today. 
And Lord, they're just words unless you give life to them. There's no, no power unless you apply it to the hearts of people. And so Holy Spirit, I'm dependent on you. And then after I finish preaching on Sunday and go back to my office, I thank the Lord for giving me another opportunity and being with me. You see, folks, the fact is we are grateful for the one on whom we are dependent. And when we recognize our dependence on God, when we recognize our dependence on the Holy Spirit, that I cannot do this and I am dependent on you, then you have a grateful heart. Gratitude is from above, he says. It always begins with God. Henriksen wrote, when your gratitude is to a source other than God, it is simply a matter of time before you cease to be grateful. Now, you can cease to be grateful. It would be like this. Let's say that you work somewhere and every Christmas they give you a Christmas bonus. The first time they do it, then you are grateful. You got something you weren't expecting, so they gave you a bonus and you're grateful. The second year they give it to you again and you're grateful because it was not something that you earned. It, it's a bonus. It is a gift. The third year, the fourth year, the fifth year, now then you begin to expect it. And it is no longer a gift from the place where you work. Now it is something you have earned. And when you get to that point, then you are no longer grateful. How can we live an abundant life? By being grateful. By living a life of gratitude. And we are grateful to, to God when we understand that He provides for us in the good times. He's provided in the bad times. He provides. But when I come to the place that I understand it is God who provides for me, then I have a grateful heart. And he gives meaning to life. We all want meaning in our lives and he gives it. We have been created by God. And you are created for God. You have been created by God and you are created for God. He gives us a work to live for. Ephesians 2.10, Paul said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He gives us a work to live for and a faith to live by. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, then I have a faith that I can live by. Let me conclude. We have reason to be thankful Thankful that God loves you as you are, period. He loves you as you are. In your rebellion, in your ungratefulness, He loves you anyway. God loves us the way we are. We are thankful that we do not have to stay the way we are. That God can change our lives as we look to Him we're thankful that we have an ally in life, that we don't face the issues of life alone, but we have an ally with the Lord. And we're thankful that he gives us a life worth living, and a life in Christ is a life that is worth living. Neil Strait wrote, He who forgets the language of gratitude can never be on speaking terms with happiness.
My friend, you can never find happiness until you first find gratitude. When you are grateful, you will find happiness. Our gracious Father, we have so much for which we are grateful. Lord, we're grateful for the Lord Jesus who gave his life for us. And we're grateful that we have another opportunity today for those who are lost to be saved, for those who are away from you to be restored. Father, thank you for another opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand and the choir's going to sing an invitation. If you're here without Christ, I encourage you today to trust him. There'll be staff members here to receive you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. If you'd just like to come and pray, you do that. Stand together as we stand. They sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do. getting very close to the Christmas pageant and uh, I hope that you all are planning to attend. Steve, how are we doing in, uh, it's right over there, how are we doing in that, where are we? Well, I think um, Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon are pretty much gone. There's still tickets for Friday night and for Saturday night. I have a, I have a couple of tickets for Sunday afternoon that I'd sell. Absolutely, absolutely. Got two. <laughs> Make sure you get your tickets. Will they be back at uh, Washington Street? They'll be back there today, yes. Okay. And right. ticket office will be open. And also go online and get tickets, too. You go online and get tickets, and uh, however you want the tickets. In fact, if, if, if you order 25 and you actually have 25, Steve will bring them to your door. So uh, make sure you have your tickets, and, uh, and we'll have a great time. Ron Paul. Ron Paul, I saw you over here. Stand up, Ron. All those who participated in Feed the Hungry on Thursday, thank you. Marvelous job, and we thank you so much. 
there was a, uh, an article, I don't know if you saw it or not, in the paper about Books and Beans, our, our uh, coffee shop bookstore that we have uh, on Sumter Street. There's a great article in there and, and uh, very complimentary. And, and so I'm just so thankful for all those who work in there. Good job on that. And then there was a story in the paper, Chapin captures the 4A state crown for cheerleading. And uh, Coach Vicki Williams, is she, is she here today? Just jump up and do the splits if you're here. <laughs> but we congratulate, huh? They usually sit over there, all right, but we're so proud of them. They did a great job. And then in Fig Magazine is uh, Brian and, uh, and Nikki Craven here. Listen, they're out, so I, where, are they here somewhere? Uh, well, if, if they're not, I guess they're having a great Thanksgiving. But there was a good story about them in here. So I'm not going to do it again. You just tell him that I did it and, and uh, <laughs> they should have been here. Don't forget the Lottie Moon. We take up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering in the month of December, and it is uh, used for international missions. Our goal at the church is $60,000. That is above uh, and beyond what we normally do. I, my guess is the offering on envelopes for Lottie Moon are in the pew, so you'll want to participate in that. College students, we have free lunch for you and over at the Family Life Center. And uh, if you have any prayer needs, these deacons with red badges, I'll be happy to pray for you. Let's stand together as we are dismissed. Our gracious Father and God, thank you for your goodness. Lord, we're overwhelmed by your love, by your generosity, by the life that you give us in Jesus. Father, thank you. In Christ's name I pray.